Curtis Lewa. Curtis Lewa. Rip and Reed. Check this out. This is the Rip and Reed featuring Curtis Lewa. Talking about now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC and Curtis Lewa. This is the Rip and Reed. How many times have we heard that song in the hallways of union halls all across America? I certainly have. I was brought up in a union household, National Maritime Union, and my father, Chester, merchant seaman for 54 years, who took me to the original Labor Day parades when they were actually on Labor Day, September 4th. And then the picnic that would take place afterwards with union members uh, from right across the board. Now you don't even have a Labor Day parade on Labor Day. They do it like uh, two Saturdays later, and it has more participants than it has viewers. But that's the state of unions uh, today compared to when I was growing up. But it was always understood whether it was then or now that if a labor union member was under attack, under siege, or was being harassed or assaulted, that the very next day, whoever the union leader is or was, would immediately assemble the delegates of the union, the person that, in fact, was assaulted or had their rights violated, and there would be a massive press conference that most of the media would attend, with the attorney who was providing services uh, to uh, the union stating what their options were to seek uh, legal redress and relief. Interesting. That's been done many, many, many times before by Michael Mulgrew, chairman of probably politically the most powerful union in the city, that puts together massive amounts of money from their members to support candidates, uh, that has a strong active membership of retired teachers, many of whom still live here, others who have moved away but participate in union politics, mostly uh, Jews. And the present membership of those teaching in the public school system I would say not as predominantly Jewish as when I went to public school, but uh, I still think it's the predominant number when you divide people by religion, although so many teachers now, although they may have been born Jewish, would probably say that they're not practicing Jews and that they're atheists, agnostics, whatever. But the point being is there is a history in the UFT, and they have a very active membership and a very active retired group that will work phone banks. Then, in fact, uh, Michael Mogru has been known when there are debates up in the state legislature, in the state assembly, the state senate that may affect their membership, and especially in the city council in New York and City Hall, he will give out cue cards and tell, because of the donations they've made to candidates who are now in elective office, you read from the cue card. This is your position. He's been cold busted doing that a few times. 
And the people that he does it for, the elected officials, they don't seem to mind because they get the services of the union of failed teachers uh, in their attempt to stay in office or to get elected office, phone banks, door-to-door, boots on the ground. I've witnessed them over at Bay Terrace and Bayside, very strong, very powerful. So it was amazing. And one of their members, a Jewish female teacher, two days running at Hillcrest High School in Jamaica, was chased to the point where she had to hide in an assistant principal's office from a mob, an anti-Semitic mob of students that was hell-bent on attacking her, both physically, verbally, and emotionally, because she had dared post on her social networking, personal social networking that she had attended to support the Israel Day rally, flying the Israeli flag with others. All of a sudden, a cabal was engineered, and we didn't hear anything about it. Right before Thanksgiving Day on the 25th, the New York Post uh, printed the first article, and thank God they did, or we might never have heard about it. In all that time, Michael Mogu and the union delegates and the shop steward at Hillcrest and others were aware that their colleague was under attack. And they did absolutely jack diddly squat nothing. The other person who did absolutely jack diddly squat nothing was Chancellor David Banks of the Department of Education. Dumbest organization ever that spends one third of our city bloated budget, $36 billion, and what's the return that the kids get, the parents get, the taxpayers get? In fact, the teachers who are always under attack, who are under siege, they get ugats, they get bupkis. It took a week for the Chancellor, David Banks, who grew up in southeast Jamaica and went to Hillcrest High School, an alumni member, for him to finally go to Hillcrest High School and basically, he was defending the rabble rousers. This notion that this place is a, a, a radic- these kids are radicalized and anti-Semitic is the height of irresponsibility. The height of irresponsibility. And he said, hey, you know, we're going to protect the teachers. But now nah, the teachers don't trust, uh, don't trust Chancellor David Banks. What they were waiting to hear from publicly was an emphatic support of their right to teach in school, being unmolested, unharassed, and certainly not threatened with physical assault or assaulted. The only thing they got from Michael Mogul was a series of appearances the the week before the attack, in which he was decrying the proposed cuts by Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan against pre-K and against uh, the board, uh, the old board of education that, my Kumbadi Chich Rudy Giuliani, when he was running for mayor, said should have been blown up at 110 Livingston Street in downtown Brooklyn because it was a hopeless bureaucracy then, hopelessly even more bureaucratic now. And the only public statements we've heard from Michael Mogul are not about the attack on that Jewish teacher in Hillcrest, but rather on what he says was the specious and misinformation of the Eric Adams administration about the need for cuts in the educational budget and blaming it on the ever-increasing number of uh, dollars that we, the sucker taxpayers, have to pay for the illegal aliens who arrive by the day.
The financial problem, as far as we know, is completely fabricated. We've been involved with budgets forever. We see what's going on. The mayor said this is because of the asylum seekers. There is no, no foundation. There is no evidence. You jerky boy. Of course there is. Everybody can see that. The mayor has sided with the illegal aliens spending money on them against the interests of Americans who are in desperate need, including many children who do go to the public school system, who may need uh, special help, who may be labeled special ed, a whole host of different terms that have been created since I went to public school years ago or any of you listening. So with no support for the teachers, nobody raising their voice at Hillcrest High School and holding a press conference representing the Union of Failed Teachers, on behalf of that Jewish female teacher, who apparently is still in hiding, who we don't really know much about. She's in the witness protection program. Jewish teachers from across the city gathered uh, at the Department of Education, a.k.a. dumbest organization Everest headquarters, the old Tweed Courthouse, which is north of City Hall downtown. And they were all talking about how They're under attack, they're under siege. Being a Jew, uh, particularly in the teaching field, makes them even more vulnerable in the public schools. They're afraid to go to school. Under normal circumstances, they're being harassed. Uh, The teachers aren't being listened to, whether they're Jews or Gentiles, white or black. That it's almost an impossible position that they're being put into by the Department of Education, dumbest organization ever, but especially since October 7th. And then one of the mothers who attended in solidarity with the Jewish teachers who say they are fearful. And by the way, there was nobody there from the UFT to speak on their behalf. They have been missing in action on this subject. There was a mother who arose to defend the teachers and talk about how difficult it is for the kids who go to those schools. And it's not just me. A parent I spoke to has three high school students at three different public schools across the system. And in the past few weeks, all three have been targeted by their peers in their schools. And it was horror story after horror story. Thank you, New York Post, for covering that, because I noticed most of the other media ignored it. And by the way, I know you're listening, Michael Mogul, and your staff. You're highly agitated. They're looking to have me, yes, uh, Justin Ellick, apologize, retract. Uh, get suspended, get fired. This is this is a, a pro form of what, what takes place. But Michael Mogul, it's time to grow a pair. It's time to show you have cojones. Years ago, and I've told this story many times, it was Albert Shanker, he was the head of the UFT. He had gone to jail, taking the union out when they had a series of protests about their salaries when you could. There was no Taylor law at that time that didn't permit it. He was also a card-carrying socialist who had been in the front lines of the civil rights era when Jews and blacks were together as Jews supported blacks in getting equal rights. And then suddenly the Ford Foundation, the George Soros of its time, the wealthiest philanthropy in America, decided to back the movement for community control of the schools And in Brownsville, it meant black control. They wanted the white Jewish teachers out. They wanted to bring black teachers in. They wanted to teach Swahili, Afrocentric courses. And Albert Schenker said, no, you don't. 
and he pulled every UFT teacher out of the five boroughs of city of New York public school system. He was right to do that and stop that nonsense. You got that, Mogul? He, he grew a pair. Unlike you, who were hiding in your mansion out in Staten Island. Uh, by the way, he got labeled a racist. So even to this day, if you look up Albert Shanker, at some point it will call him a racist. But he did what was in the best interest of his teachers, the majority of which were Jews. Don't you wish you had a chairman of the UFT now who would defend these Jewish teachers, most of them women, who are under attack in their schools? Talking about this is the Riffin' Reed featuring Curtis Lewa. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC and Curtis Lewa. Rocking around the Christmas tree at the Christmas party hop. Mistletoe hung where you can see every couple tries to stop. Oh, yeah. Every time this year, a lot of people look forward to the lighting of the Christmas tree annually at Rockefeller Center. The pageantry that goes along with it, the entertainment, the fact of where the tree was selected, the town that's so proud that the tree is being brought down to Rockefeller Center to be used for this year's beginning of the Christmas season. I don't ever remember it becoming the focus of demonstrations uh, or people, even people who didn't believe in celebrating Christmas. I mean, I may be incorrect, but I don't ever remember it until now. So yesterday, uh, at the start of the festivities on NBC, which always is the sponsor of the annual Christmas tree lighting in Rockefeller Center, you heard the NBC Channel 4 local crew do an introduction at about 7 o'clock, totally ignoring what had just transpired just two blocks away, almost a block away, they eventually got these rabble-rousers and demonstrators uh, for the previous hour. David Ushery, Nat- Natalie Pascarella, and Mario Lopez live. Woo! Christmas in Rockefeller Center, 30 seconds away, right here on NBC4 New York. It is just a continuation of what has already been such a fun evening, Kat. Yes, it has. What a joy to do this with you. I was just about to say the same thing. Get out of my head. We're having so much fun. And you all are about to have fun with what's coming up next, right? See you there. Happy holidays. What a bunch of hipster millennial goofballs. Everybody was having fun, right? If you were just a block away, two blocks away, did you hear Christmas carols? Did you hear the um, the call, the Santa Claus and the reindeer? Let me see, what do we hear? What do we hear, uh, wrong way, Lou Rafino? What do we hear out there? From the river to the Genocide! Genocide! 
for the full hour before the festivities began at Rockefeller Center. That's what you heard in the surrounding area. There were hundreds of pro-Palestinian, pro-Hamas demonstrators. And they were making themselves known. Uh, by the way, uh, wrong way, Lou Rafino, could I hear that, uh, please, that... Uh, that, uh, what would, can we call it? The, oh, the giggly, uh, opening remarks of the Channel 4 crew that would have you to believe that everything prior to that, the previous hour was peace, love, and happiness, that all the tourists would come, people locally would come to watch the Christmas tree lighting. Well, it was just such a normal, that woman, I don't know who she is. She sounded like our vice president, Giggles Harris, didn't she? David Ushery, Natalie Pascarella, and Mario Lopez live Woo! Christmas in Rockefeller Center, 30 seconds away, right here on NBC4 New York. It is just a continuation of what has already been such a fun evening, Kat. Yes, it has. What a joy to do this with you. I was just about to say the same thing. Head of my head, and we're having it's so nice much fun. Day. And you all are about to have fun with what's coming up next, right? See you there. Happy holidays. By the way, was that Vice President Harris? I'm not sure who that. She was an African American woman, uh, a little bit on the young side. Okay. So now they make it seem like nothing's been going out of the norm. One block away, these pro-Palestinian, pro-Hamas demonstrators have broken through police lines. And they are attacking the police outside of Rockefeller Center an hour before the tree lighting ceremony. They're hitting the cops. They're stomping on the cops. They're attacking the cops. They're spitting on the cops. Yeah, I guess they didn't see that over by where the tree was being lit up. But everybody else saw it. And uh, almost all the folks who had come into Rockefeller Center area to watch the tree lighting saw it. Oh, my God. How many arrests? A total of seven arrests? Complete chaos. Let me tell you something. They purposely came to clash with the NYPD. They'd been announcing this social networking earlier in the week. They were bold and brazen about it. We're going to disrupt the tree lighting ceremony. At that point, when there's an all-out attack on the police, and you can see the video, they should have shut that demonstration down. They had no horses there. They got 80 horses in stables, police stables where you're supposed to use cops on the horses. They can get a vantage. They can charge into a crowd. None of that was done. They lost control of that street. They were shoved, the cops, punched, kicked. It's bull feathers. Complete chaos. And then the marches, once the tree lighting started, hey, they, they got their day. They, they, they made their point, And they marched over to 6th Avenue started storming around there, and then up to Times Square, shut it down, shut it down, they were screaming. So this morning, we had John Katzmatidis in substituting for Sid Rosenberg, Andrew Giuliani, myself. And we were talking to Bill O'Reilly about this. 
And oh my God, John Katsimatidis and Bill O'Reilly and Andrew Giuliani thought, oh, wasn't it great? The demonstrators didn't get to the actual tree. And then I described, I said, look, there's video after video there. You don't have to believe me. The cops, they're getting shoved, punched, kicked, attacked. What arrests? Seven arrests? There were dozens of these attacks. Dozens. Seven arrests. That's it. And they were given disappearance tickets. What do you think this group is going to do? Because, you know, today it's another demonstration day, sure. Tomorrow there'll be something else. And if you happen to be those cops, what are you thinking to yourself? That the mayor was not there. Where was the police commissioner? No cojones, Eddie Caban, right? Is he out of town again? You know, when he was at Somos, he was there in Qatar. It's like, were they around? Were they walking up and down? Did they have... Did they have a frozen zone? Did they have sort of one barrier where you had your tactical patrol force in front with the hats and bats making sure nobody got through? And in the second line, a, a less um, a less uh, deterrent force of cops there and have a frozen zone in there that maybe the mayor or the police commissioner or the other big brass from one police headquarters could have gone up and down and pumped all of the men and women up of the police department who have to be feeling bad that they got battered, abused, attacked, spat on, kicked, and nobody was arrested. And then earlier, with Bill O'Reilly on, I thought it was like, oh, that's great. Hey, turn the cops into a human piñata. If they had arrested the people who spit at the police officers and cursed and pushed them, what do you think Bragg would have done, Curtis? Punched and kicked them, knocked them down. What if do you, you think don't, Bragg would have done? I, I'm Bragg telling, would have let them go. I'm telling you, if Bragg you continue to allow this, more cops well, are going to leave the ranks. You attack police officers, they need but to be arrested. Curtis, there's a time and a place. Nobody wants to be out there and get punched and kicked and knocked to the ground, and then nobody gets arrested. These are police officers. Wait, wait, Curtis. You're right. You're right. But. That would have escalated things, you see? If they had started grabbing guys and throwing them in the paddy wagon, which is, of course, an ethnic slur against Irish paddy wagon. <laughs> <laughs> and then it went in a different direction at that point. But I noticed in my conversations with a lot of people, yeah, Curtis, what are you complaining for? It could have been an all-out riot. Oh, okay. So we allow our cops to be turned into human pinatas. They get spat on, they get kicked, they get punched, they're on the ground, stomped on. Nobody gets arrested. Oh, well, that's part of their job. No, it's not. There are rules and regulations about that. They need to be enforced. There is no enforcement in this city at any level. I blame directly the guy who claimed that he was the law and order mayor, that he was a cop for 22 years, put on a bulletproof each bulletproof vest each day, and now we find out when he was a transit cop, he admits that he was a computer programmer, never going out into the streets, never active patrol, a house mouse. They should have all been out there. They should have been showing solidarity with the cops. They did not. So more cops will take early retirement. More cops will leave. There are less uh, recruitment classes. It's hard enough to find people who want to join the police department. I mean, who would do that if you knew you were going to be a human pinata? Justin Ellick, who would do it 
If you knew that a Starbucks barista gets more respect behind the counter because you want them to get your, your, your stale coffee order right, you know, your double latte when they write it on that red, uh, what is that, that red cup for the Christmas season. Oh, God, they got it. And then they want you to put a tip in the tip jar for doing their job. You treat them better than you treat the NYPD. Oh, but we didn't have a riot. Then I look at the other story, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to be talking about this extensively tomorrow. A 94-year-old veteran of the greatest generation was thrown out of Midland Beach, Father Capadonna Avenue, the location in Staten Island that... The great rebels have been holding down and demonstrating outside every night because it was Eric Adams who gave the order, senior citizens, pack your bags, you got two months to get out of here. A 94-year-old veteran said, I had nowhere to go. They threw me out in the street. Oh, my God. And the city of New York today didn't even bother to have their various agencies show up to a city council hearing asking where all the money is being spent for these illegal aliens with these uh, no-bid contracts, with no transparency. The mayor would not even allow any of his agency heads to testify before city council. We we deserve answers. Why was this 94-year-old guy kicked out? Do you know there have been more arrests by the people who protest outside of Midland Beach to put the senior citizens back and to take the illegal aliens out by the police than there have been against these rabble-rousers, pro-Hamas, pro-Palestinian demonstrators who attack cops. In Staten Island, they created Blue Lives Matter. In Staten Island, in the summer of 2020, when the other boroughs basically went to sleep on the police, the first borough to come to their aid, in creating Blue Lives Matter with Staten Island. And now they're arresting our rebels who are demonstrating against having illegal aliens in a senior citizen home that was meant for our greatest generation. The men who served in World War II and the Korean War and their wives. And the story of this 94-year-old, we're going to talk about it extensively tomorrow because... Tunnel to Towers is dedicating this next year of fundraising to finding homes for veterans who are made homeless. And in this case, by Eric Adams at W. Discraziata. I salute the patriots out in Midland Beach who are holding strong the rebels. But imagine, more of them have been arrested, and I've been arrested with them. Check it out, Justin Alec than any of the rabble-rousers who desecrate, who vandalize, who attack cops, who vandalize police equipment and police vans and basically are a menace to society. More of our patriotic rebels have been arrested outside of Midland Beach defending the veterans. And those Hamas rabble-rousers. And some of you out there saying, oh, good. Good, you know that the cops got turned into human piñatas. What has happened? We've lost, lost our coolions collectively in order to keep the peace. Let the cops get attacked. Talking about this is the Riffin' Reed featuring Curtis Lewa. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC and Curtis Lewa. 
Great disco classic, one of the few that actually had meaning. I play it many, many times. Paul Hardcastle, 19, talking about the average age of a serviceman in Vietnam was 19 during the war. They didn't even call it a war like in Korea. They didn't call it a war. They called it a a, uh, police action. How many died needlessly? 55,000. How many more injured? How many more have never recovered from their mental and physical injuries since? And with another figure who was directly involved in the escalation of American troops in Southeast Asia, now dead at the age of 100, Henry Kissinger. He cannot escape this. Because in 1968, he was side-by-side with Nelson Rockefeller, who wanted to win the Republican primary to be president, the world's richest man. But uh, the resurrection of Richard Nixon had taken place, and he was nominated uh, at the convention, and he went on to be Hubert H. Humphrey and uh, George Wallace, who's the independent candidate. Interesting that... uh, Henry Kissinger uh, was side-by-side with Nelson Rockefeller and campaigning with him and then said that the most dangerous of all the men running for president that time, including George Wallace, was Richard Nixon. Now, the following is why I say I don't trust any politicians, not Democrats or Republicans. He said that in 68. And yet in 69... Richard Nixon is elected president, and he goes to work for him as a national security advisor. Why would he do that if, in fact, Richard Nixon was the most dangerous of all the men running for president? Because like all folks involved in politics, they can flip on a dime. And he certainly did over his career. And then, remember, it was Richard Nixon who ended up winning that election talking more like he was the peace candidate, not Hubert Humphrey was carrying on the legacy of LBJ, saying that he would bring peace to Vietnam and yet secretly launched a war in Cambodia and Laos away from us 
Thank you, uh, Daniel Ellsberg, wherever you are now, for revealing the Pentagon Papers so we found out all the technology involved in getting us involved in Vietnam and keeping us there for more than a decade was political technology. And Henry Kissinger was part of that. And even though he was to win a Nobel Peace Prize for negotiating a ceasefire in Paris with the North Vietnamese, only to see that fall apart and America evacuate Vietnam with that last helicopter that left our embassy in in South Vietnam, Saigon. That's what I'll remember about Henry Kissinger, that he lied to us on two separate fronts.